3: some unknown guy sat in front of them with three bags of peanuts and four four McDonald's sundays
1: oh my god and
3: ate all of it over the course of the game he ate the sundays one after another four sundays and then moved on to the peanuts and i was like that is disgusting
2: you are, you are, you give you, up you, 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 you.
4: Alright, welcome everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where the only nuggets the Lakers have been feasting on these days are apparently Chicken McNuggets, because they look fat, unhealthy, and terribly low on some vitamin D. And by D, I mean defense, on the Denver (laughs) Nuggets. But at least they used a late-game flurry of three-pointers and a steady dose of Zumanji to make a game out of it at the end there, I guess. Anyways, hope everyone had a great MLK weekend. We know some of the Lakers' young guns had a little too much fun celebrating the fight for equality because a lot of them looked more than a bit hungover tonight. But, anyways, I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez. I'm here with Alan Riley. Our other co host, Tommy Alexander, was actually at the game tonight, about two or three rows right above Genie Buss and Magic Johnson. So hopefully he'll be giving us the inside scoop on what appetizers they had for dinner tonight, but more importantly, more importantly also what they were even talking about in the first place. So we hope to have Tommy joining us in a bit and he'll call us we'll call him in soon so that he can give us a bit more of his sights and sounds from the game and his vantage point of the carnage that was tonight's game against the Denver Nuggets. Uh so obviously the Lakers lost to the Nuggets tonight. They ended up making a game out of it, but they gave up 127 points in the process. They lost 127 to 121 and now the Lakers are 15 and 31. They're the fourth worst team in the league. Uh, The team with the second most losses and believe it or not, the Philadelphia 76ers have a better win percentage than the Los Angeles Lakers. So Alan, with all that being said, how are you personally doing after this entire week of complete ineptitude from your Los Angeles Lakers?
1: Well, I gotta be honest. I'm doing pretty well because (laughs) the Green Bay Packers played really well on Sunday and uh, I'm still high off of that victory. And I think that's just going to keep me riding through uh, till next Sunday when they play again against the Falcons, and hopefully all the way through uh, February when they win the Super Bowl. Ooh, okay, so hypothetically,
4: if we take away the Green Bay Packers.
1: Without that, I'm working on a little project just on my own right now, and it's going really well, and it's it's enriching my life, and I, I feel great uh if we strip that away then um i'm gr- i'm grateful for all of my friends and my family you know that's going well so 2017's been good and if you strip that away then i guess you have the lakers and uh. if we just are talking about that um i am not a happy camper
4: You know, I was just going to say, for me, I'm the same way because this is my second week on the job at my new position at DreamWorks. I now work for the production team on The Adventures of Puss in Boots, which you can find on Netflix, by the way. And I got to tell you, I'm sadly very glad that I'm so busy at work trying to get acclimated with my new teammates and entirely new processes to distract me from the train wreck that is the Lakers. Usually it's the other way around, right? And we lay on sports to distract us from work and a busy life, but shoot. I got to tell you, the Lakers these days have got me all nauseated to the point where a cat in boots who talks in a Spanish accent is starting to make more sense to me than some of the stuff these guys are saying in post game interviews and some of the stuff they're doing on court. So (laughs) with that said, let's get this show on the road. As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod please also rate interview us on iTunes because the more you rate interview us, that's how many more times random fans in the stands will yell at Nick Young and flash Nick Young his own WTF face meme for fun, thereby (laughs) making Nick Young lose it on the sidelines. You saw that video, right?
1: Yeah, that was hilarious.
4: If you don't know, Nick Young has a a meme where he just looks at the camera and he's like, Dub TF? And there's a bunch of question marks. And some fan actually called him out when he was on the sidelines going, Hey, Nick! Nick! <laughs> and then showed Nick his own face on the phone and Nick Young couldn't help but crack a smile. So that was hilarious. So please rate and review us with that respect. Also, we haven't gotten... One new rating and review for 2017. Can you believe that, Alan?
1: That is unbelievable.
4: That is unbelievable. It's so sad. I'm like <laughs> scrolling down trying to find one that's dated 2017, and I can't even find one. So please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, speaking of reviews, today we're going to have Alan read the review as usual. But today, Alan, you're going to read the review as Ivica Zubats' long lost twin brother, <laughs> Dario Zubats. Okay. But this is a scenario. So Dariusic is uh, frustrated because he's being detained at LAX, and he's going to be late to the game to watch his brother put, a, put up a double-double in tonight's game, which Zubats did. He got 11 points, 13 rebounds, and Dariusic clearly is freaking pissed because he's being detained at the airport. You know, maybe it's because of Trump? I don't know. But you got to read the review in that, in that scenario as Dariusic-Zubats.
1: All right. All right, here we go. Uh, hello, uh, my name is uh, Darius, and uh, I'm kind of in a hurry right now. I need to see my brother, Evisa. Uh, I know nobody in here knows me, but uh, whatever, let's get on with this. Uh, so, <laughs> this one says uh, Good Podcast uh, by Lamonte uh, M. Uh, this is from uh, December 30, uh, 2015. Okay, uh, hold on, I think that's my Uber right there. Hey, hello? <laughs> hello? Oh, shoot, it's not mine. Dang it. Okay, well, whatever. I guess I'll read this real quick. Okay, Says so I've been looking for a good liquor's podcast, and I think I've found it. Uh, the hosts have a, a good knowledge of the game and uh, have knowledgeable opinion. Uh, wait, hold on, hold on. Ah, shoot. Okay. Uh, <laughs> one more sentence. Okay, Say so, uh, I enjoy the draft talk sprinkled in. I like sprinkle cupcake too. Okay, uh, I I got to go see my brother now. Thank you guys. Goodbye.
4: Okay, thank you, Dariose. We could sense the anxiety and the rush in your voice to get out, have to get out of there, and we know LAX is a B to to try and get out of. So we we sympathize with you, and unfortunately, you weren't able to watch your brother absolutely go off in only twenty six minutes. If it's a Zubats, 11 points, 13 rebounds, 3 blocks. And we'll get to all of that in just a second. Alan, before we get started, though, do you have any friends who have any birthdays coming up?
1: Oh, I do, actually. (laughs) Um, I have two birthdays coming up. Uh, One of them is my older brother, John Riley. Shout out to John. Uh, His birthday is a week from tomorrow. And he is... Entering his dirty 30s. He's going to be 30 years old. And uh, who's that other guy? There's another dude. Birthdays the day after. Oh, yeah. His name is uh, Thomas Alexander. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, his birthday's January 26th. How about that?
4: Well, guess what we can get Tommy for his birthday. Because there's no better site to look at for birthday gifts. Especially for sports fans. Do you think Tommy's a sports fan?
1: I think Tommy feels okay about athletics and sports.
4: Okay, well, I think that's good enough. So if we need to get him a gift for his birthday, I think we should check out steinersports.com for the (laughs) coolest commemorative gear and gifts and autograph memorabilia. Steiner Sports memorabilia is the leading producer of authentic sports and hand-signed collectibles. When listeners use the promo code ALMIGHTY at checkout, they will receive a 20% discount on their purchases on their purchases. So forego the generic sports apparel and go for the unique and personalized apparel with all the dope Lakers gear that you can find on Steiner sports. And all of those will probably be autographed and signed. So I think we got to go on that site pretty soon. Don't you think?
1: Yeah, so, you know, Tommy has a Luke Walton jersey right now and I'm pretty sure it's the home jersey or I think I think we need to get him whatever Luke Walton jersey he doesn't have from there and make sure it's autographed. Exactly. And played in. And played in.
4: <laughs> and play- My thoughts, exactly. So once again, steinersports.com. Use the promo code ALMIGHTY at checkout. All right, with that said, there's a lot to get to. There's a lot of news around the NBA, a lot of news for the Lakers. And frankly, this game had a lot of stuff in it that we could just... Kind of sink our teeth into a lot of bad, mainly, but also some good, some strange, and some confusing. But before we get to that, some NBA news. So the Knicks are a freaking disaster right now. Carmelo Anthony has apparently made it known that he's ready to be dealt to one of two teams, Cleveland or the Clippers. Uh, he holds a no-trade clause, so he pretty much has the say in where he goes. Otherwise, the Knicks can't trade him anywhere. Uh, outside of that, the Knicks are stuck with Kim Noah and his $72 million contract for the next four years. And unless they trade Derrick Rose for something or anything they can get this year, they're going to lose him for nothing this summer. But I guess they'll have the cap space to sign somebody else. But they haven't had a great track record, record at doing that, so I don't know how much that'll help them. With that said, meanwhile, Porzingis is drowning in all of this drama and whatnot. So, Alan, quick question. Um, yep. do, you, do you want Carmelo Anthony?
1: Mm, no, thanks.
4: Yep, exactly. And, yeah, we wouldn't want to gut our team for any anything like that. Uh, moving on. So, Chris Paul from the Clippers, unfortunately, oh, this seems sucks, to be like man. a... It seems like to be like a Clippers curse or something because every year either Blake Griffin or Chris Paul or both of them end up out for a long stretch and now we hear that Chris Paul needs surgery on his wrist and he's going to be out six to eight weeks and that's with Blake Griffin already out the last month or so and we'll have to see how uh, how the Clippers are going to tread water here but I don't know this happens like too often in my opinion and it just sucks for them, you know? So yeah,
1: it, it, it was a freak accident too. He was just trying to go over a screen and then his thumb got caught. Um, didn't that, who that happened to recently? Was it Nick young? Like during a training camp or something a couple years ago, I think he was trying to guard Kobe and then his finger got caught in somebody's Jersey going over a screen. And then he just messed up some ligaments or something like that. So it's just a freak accident. And you know, I'm, I'm not a Clipper fan. If anything, I, um, almost irrationally despise them but I, I feel really badly for Chris Paul um, I mean the teams look they look pretty good this year but with all the injuries and stuff um, yeah it's uh, that's a big blow to them
4: yeah, you know, I'd almost wonder like couldn't they use a guy like Lou Williams? But then I look at the I look I look at the Clippers roster and I'm like, who do we who would we even want from that roster? And unfortunately, they don't really have any young guys or high upside guys to trade us, you know what I mean? Right. I think they could use a a guy like Lou Will, but I think what they're going to eventually do or what they're going to do is just start Austin Rivers, who's been playing pretty well, actually, and just try and ride it out from there. But, yeah, if only the Clippers had some sort of prospect that we could use. But right now, they literally have nobody. And, I mean, maybe they could trade their first-round pick, and maybe that'll slip a little in Chris Paul's absence. But at that point, you're not trading Lou Williams for just, like, a high 20s pick, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Moving on, Ricky Rubio is also being shot by the Minnesota Timberwolves. Apparently they said that they see Chris Dunn as a long-term starter and they want to get going with that process, and so Rubio's being shot. This isn't really anything new since they were trying to do it this past draft as well, but I guess they've made it known more blatantly this trade deadline. And Rubio actually went out and got 21 points yeah. and 14 assists tonight, so there you go.
1: <laughs> He's like, hey, look what I can do.
4: Exactly. Pray for mercy from Puss in Boots. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> sounds super racist. But anyways...
1: <laughs> you're, just, you're just imitating a cartoon show. It's That's fine. true. It's Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
4: That's how it sounds. But I don't think the Lakers would want to trade for a guy like Rubio anyways as well. I know some people are like, can we trade luo Deng for this guy? And I was like... <laughs> Um. No, also because we found out today that Luodang is out indefinitely with a wrist injury, so he can't even play or do anything. Yeah. So uh, keep that in mind. But yeah, I don't think there's a deal here for the Lakers to make, even if we take on Pekovic's terrible contract or anything like that. Rubio is probably going to be taken on by another team who has some sort of young asset that the Timberwolves can actually use. So that's pretty much non-news. And the last bit of news and this is actually Lakers related. Is that Momo Shelburne reported today that before the game, Genie Bus had dinner with Magic Johnson and his agent. And yeah, they were spotted having dinner together. And Tommy, who sat pretty much just three rows above Genie and Magic, got to see them interacting the whole night. And hopefully, we can check out uh, what he has to say. And actually, Tommy is ready to call in. So let's try and ring him in.
5: Hello.
4: Hello.
3: Hi.
4: All right, so we got our special Lakers insider, Thomas Alexander, on the podcast, phoning in live from Staples Center. Are you still at Staples?
3: I'm not at Staples, but I'm close by, Jonathan. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you sound like
4: a legit insider, dude. ESPN underscore Thomas Alexander. So I'm just going to throw you right right into... (laughs) (laughs) Right into the loop of things, Tommy, what are your impressions from the game? It seemed kind of lit there at the end, but for the most part, it seemed like a dumpster fire. Just give me your guttural reaction.
3: Uh, The game was most lit. It it had a brief approximately nine minute period of litness. And overall, yeah, I mean, you guys probably have talked about this already, but it's just like, they came in with no energy. It looked like most of the guys, I mean, certain guys kind of looked like they wanted to be there. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk more about specific players at some point, but like D'Angelo Russell did not want to play basketball tonight. I don't know Mm -hmm. what he was doing or what his deal is, but yeah, it's like half the guys seem like they kind of wanted to play. Half the guys really wanted nothing to do with that. with the game so very very bizarre game
4: all right before we get into the nitty-gritty game specifics can you tell us where you were seated and what interesting sights and sounds you saw because we told people that you were pretty much just about two or three rows above genie and magic so
3: yeah i was very close to genie and magic i could not hear anything they said unfortunately (laughs) Um, and it didn't look like what they were talking about was that interesting i mean the game was like it was funny i mean we were sitting next to this Armenian guy who is hilarious, man. This guy was like, <laughs> he had like a really thick Armenian accent. And he was like, Nikola Jokic was like obviously lighting us up, right? And every time Jokic would score, this guy would go like, it's okay, you're still the worst player in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying stuff that made no sense when Gallinari got teed up. This is one of many times, but when Gallinari got teed up at the end, he was like, Hey, Gallinari, go eat calamari. <laughs> and I was like, What does that mean? Dude, like. Like what are you trying to say by that? I don't understand. But uh, yeah, so that was pretty entertaining. Uh, there were a lot of celebrities out and about. Um, Jeannie Buss oh. was looking good. I mean, she's single now, so
1: she's got to get <laughs>
3: she's got to get dressed up for the games. Uh, Serena Winters. shout out Serena Winter. Always she always looks nice. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I can't really think about anything else. I mean, it was it was. It was, I mean, it's obviously, this is the second time now I've gotten lucky to sit like super close and it's, it's pretty insane sitting that close, especially when they were like making that crazy run at the end. Like it was, it was pretty nuts. You could feel the energy. Are you drunk right now? No, I'm not.
1: I'm driving a vehicle. (laughs) He is operating large machinery.
4: Yeah. <laughs> oh man, you almost made me forget that we lost this game. Danilo Gallinari.
3: Goey Calamari. Go eat- Go- That's what he was saying, and I was like, is that an insult? <laughs>
4: <laughs> I can't get over that. Okay, anyways, so yeah, the game was very bipolar. The Lakers looked terrible to start the game, very low energy. I think you were saying it, you were snapping pictures of D'Angelo Russell on the bench, but oh, you, yeah. le- you, you legitimately thought that he was uh, hungover, right?
3: Yeah, look. I mean, I'm not not to be like an instigator, like a rumor starter. We, I have no idea. I didn't speak to him, but like, <laughs> look, just by his body language, for anyone who's had like too much to drink one night and then how you feel the next day, that's what this guy looked like. He was the only person when we started at the end of the game. He stood up, but when we started to make this big run, we were down by like 17 in the fourth, and we're starting to make a run. We get it down to like 10, eight points. That's pretty significant everybody on the bench is standing except for him and he just like has his hands like in his you know his head in his hands and he looks like he's about to throw up man he had like no energy i mean luke had to luke put in calderon and normally i think if i wasn't sitting right there i'd be like what the heck is luke doing but seeing d'angelo's body language and just like the way he was going about he I have no problem with Luke benching D'Angelo and I don't know if you guys have been following it. I would be really interested to see if, if anybody had anything like any comments or like, did anyone in the media ask why did D'Angelo like not really play? Because yeah, part of it was the bench unit made that big run in the fourth quarter. But I think even regardless of if they like weren't making a push, he would not have put D'Angelo back in because he looked like, he looked like physically sick. I I honestly, I don't know what, what was wrong with him.
4: Yeah, there haven't been any concrete news out, but apparently D'Angelo Russell was asked about his play recently, and he was just like, it's been real shizzy, been real shizzy. You know, I mean, I I don't know if there's anything more to that, whether he was ill, whether he partied too much on MLK celebrating the stand for equality, I don't know. But (laughs) it seems like he was totally out of it tonight. And the other guy who was totally out of it and just looked in-game drunk was Julius Randle, who despite... Despite making some really nifty passes in the first half, um, I don't know what he was doing offensively, trying to get his own shots and flipping up these really ridiculous um, air balls and clankers and trying to dribble the ball for 20 seconds out of the 24 second possession. He had five turnovers. Um, How ridiculous did he look out there?
3: He looked extremely ridiculous. I mean, I think I saw a couple times during like the timeouts or whatever, they would play like replays of like the last play you know how they do that like right before the mm-hmm. timeout and it look definitely looks worse on tv because the frustrating thing about watching him live is he gets right to the rim almost any anytime he wants but when he's going up to finish like some some games he can just finish smoothly no problems and he drops like 20 points And then half the games, he gets right to the rim. There's no one contesting it, and he just – his, like, wrist spazzes out. And I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he gets nervous or what his deal is. Um, But he just looks like – yeah, it looks really – it's, like, really awkward. Like, on on TV, it looks like, oh, he got to the rim, and he was heavily contested, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, that's the case sometimes, but in person – Sometimes he'll go and he'll you'll see his arms like he'll elevate over everybody. All he has to do is flip it up, and he just has like no touch. Sometimes it's so weird. I I, I cannot explain it. But Luke was really getting on him um, defensively because there were a couple plays where he was just like he like he like pouts to the refs a lot. But some of the times he was doing that, Luke was like pointing at him and like yelling at him and was, was like why'd you put your hands down and reach, keep your Mm. hands up and move your feet? And yeah, he was another person that didn't look as engaged with him. It's like, I can't even get as mad though, as I do with Randall because he's trying his best. You know Mm. what I mean? He's having his sec. He's basically a second year player. He's having his like ups and downs. He's very young. what is he? 21 or something. So he's going to go through like times where he just makes stupid decisions or can't shoot the ball or, you know, whatever. And but he gives his effort every single time. D'Angelo just was, he didn't want to play basketball tonight.
4: Yeah, Alan, what are your overall thoughts or general thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think uh, contrary to most Laker fans, uh, I was also fine with uh, Luke's substitutions and rotations tonight. I agree, like, you know, what's Jose Calderon going to give you? But while his skill isn't there, pretty much, you know, anything, he's going to put out effort. And with D'Angelo tonight, I mean, there were a number of just horrible possessions by him, where he's turning the ball over, he's shooting horrible shots, he's holding onto the ball too long. There's one point where uh, where Swaggy was yelling at D'Angelo to guard Moutier in the corner, and it's like D'Angelo just couldn't hear him. And then yep. he and Nick ended up double teaming somebody on the perimeter, and then Moutier was wide open, you know. Yep. And that was a moment where I think Luke benched him for the rest yep. of the game um so as far as I mean I I've said it a lot of times on this podcast that I'm huge as far as body language is concerned and I made it a point to stare at D'Angelo pretty much all night long after Luke made those wholesale changes in the first quarter and you know I, I noticed pretty much everything that you said Tommy um obviously I can't get the same vibe for it as you did since you were there but again I didn't have any problems with uh, not putting him back in the game, because, I mean, what's going to happen if you do? Like, you're just going to get more garbage. And... Yeah,
3: no, he played, like, complete garbage. I mean, to add on that point you just made, the end of the first half, when they, D'Angelo picks up Moutier, like, on the, all the way on the opposite side of the court, right? Mm. But the Nuggets have this play, which a lot of teams do, where you, like, throw it to mid court and have that guy be, like, the sort of receiver in the middle, and then he hands it off. Basically, long story short, they throw it to midcourt where Jokic catches it, and the next thing you know, you look back, and is still standing under the basket, and Moutier is past half court already. Yeah. And you're just like, what was this guy doing, dude? And then Moutier runs all the way down and picks up the foul.
1: You yeah. know what I mean? It's, like, yep.
3: so, it was so many times where it was just, like, he hit like 1-3, but it was, oh my god, it was like, I, the guy I was sitting next to, at some point he had this, like, D'Angelo had this drive, and the guy sitting, and then he got right into the paint one foot away and clanked it off the side, it wasn't yeah. even close. And, and the guy I was sitting next to was like, I was just about to say that was like the first good play he's made all game, and... <laughs> and he completely breaked it from a foot away. But.
4: Yeah, I think he just had, like like you said, he was out of it from the start. He didn't seem like he wanted to play basketball. I think this is like a tale of two different cases where in the D- Detroit game, I thought D'Angelo played very well. I thought he played with effort. And that was a situation where where I think people and Lakers fans questioning why Luke didn't have D'Angelo Russell in sooner made a lot of sense, right? Because yeah. he, was, he had it going. He, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He just had—he just got inserted at the two-minute mark and when he should have probably gotten inserted in the eight-minute mark. Tonight was just a case of Luke was clearly trying to send a message. He knew that D'Angelo did not have his head in the game, did not have his heart in the game, and pretty much just sat him from maybe the seven-minute mark or the third all the way till the end, right? Um, yeah. I guess the only thing that I had the prob the only problem i had rotation wise was the way that luke would yank 5 in 5 out so I don't abruptly like that either, yeah. i don't like that at all because it didn't help like the, the the new the new unit he put out there in terms of jose calderon uh Zubots and it was just such a random lineup and it didn't yeah. end up working. And the the lineups that actually worked is when he put Ingram back in, yeah. when he put Swaggy P <laughs> back in and he mixed it up. But every time he did that five out, five in, it, it was even more of a disaster. Because if you notice, those guys who are coming in aren't any better defenders. In fact, they're probably worse. So, yeah. it, it just, I mean, the Lakers just look so disjointed so many times out there in different stretches, and I was getting so frustrated. And honestly, it wasn't until that fourth quarter when, you know, Swaggy P got it going and Jordan Clarkson finally got it going and Ivica Zubots became the best center in the NBA that Zubac the Lakers... looked really good. He looked really good, right? But it wasn't until that stretch at the end there that I finally saw some fight and energy. And obviously, we have to credit Tarek Black a lot for this energy. Tarek you know, great, yeah. yeah. In 19 minutes, he had 14 points, 8 rebounds, but this is the type of guy where... You know he's only like what six, 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 seven or something like that, but yeah. he doesn't let that deter how hard he plays on the court. And if only everybody else could play with that same type of determination, it would it would change the dynamic of the game entirely. Like you wish D'Angelo could do that because he's a taller point guard, he has the length. You wish Jordan Clarkson could do that on a more consistent basis, et cetera, et cetera. You know.
3: And I don't want to look. Like, I don't want to knock D'Angelo. I, I, well, look, D'Angelo deserves to be knocked around a little bit after tonight. Well, tonight, game. yeah. I, I think that, so again, I'm not trying to start anything. I don't know any, I don't know, you know, this is not a rumor or whatever. All I'm saying is, I feel like a couple months ago, and I don't have a link or anything to give you, unfortunately, but I saw somebody, and I think it was either Pincus tweeted it or retweeted it. Something about how he had heard, like, around the league, like, oh yeah, like, obviously all NBA players, especially the young ones, like to party, but like, apparently D'Angelo really likes to party. He's like in a special class, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, I actually found out randomly somebody I work with, their best, or like one of their close friends lives in D'Angelo Russell's building.
1: And this never
3: came up somehow in the entire time that I've known this person. And she knows I love the Lakers. And all of a sudden today she was like, oh yeah, my friends live in D'Angelo Russell's building. And I was like, seriously, how long have you been sitting on this information? (laughs) But but anyway, she was like, yeah, you know, they kind of get pissed at him sometimes because, like, he plays, like, he'll play, like, super loud music at, like, really, like, in the middle of the night on, like, random days, and he has tons of people over all the time, and, like, they're they're always hosting parties there, and I'm like, oh, my God, that does not sound, (laughs) that does not sound good, you know, and obviously none of us are there, this is, like, third-hand information, but it's just... D'Angelo's career could go one of two ways. He could be one of the best players ever, which I th- not ever, but like one of the best players <laughs> in the league, you know, I think he can be, he could be yeah. one mm-hmm. of the best players in the league with his skill set and his um, measurements, or he could just be an okay point guard who like, you know, plays in the league for 12 years and maybe he makes all star team once or twice, you know? So which way do you want your career to go? And if you want it to go the, the first way you better like start to take your stuff seriously.
4: Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Russell was, I think some people interviewed him and he was self-critical of his play and understood slash applauded Luke for sitting him late in the game so at least he gets that. But I think what you described in terms of him not really being active on the bench is so unlike him because I think, Alan, you've described before how that's usually something Julius Randle would use to do where he'd yeah, let his... Yeah, he pout. And, yeah, he'd pout on the bench and then he wouldn't even, even be engaged, whereas D'Angelo Russell would be the one cheering his teammates on and getting up and down and celebrating. So yeah.
1: See, it's like, a, like I said, it's a different thing, though. I feel like Randle, he'll pout because like, he's pissed at himself for being so yeah. awful. Or he might even be like pissed at Luke but yeah. not, like, at Luke as a person, just for what Luke did to him. So that's obviously momentary. With D'Angelo, I mean, like, what you said, Tommy, it's not like he was expressing himself in an angry way. He was very despondent, if anything. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah, he looked catatonic or something
1: he on the bench catatonic.
3: There. Exactly. That's my point, dude. It's, like, it's, I totally get what Alan's saying. And I think that is true, like, with Julius. But this wasn't even, like... Randall or uh, sorry, this wasn't even Russell sitting over there looking like, oh, man, I feel so bad. that Like, I just didn't have it tonight. It was him looking like he honestly had no barely. He knew where he was. You know what I mean? It's like he seriously looked like a hungover dude. I'm not I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying, like, you're a professional athlete. What in the in the world could possibly cause you to come out like that? Like there are games where you're going to be sluggish. But D'Angelo Russell was not sluggish in this game. He looked like he had woken up from, like, you know, he he looked like he woke up an hour before tip-off. It was, like, it was ridiculous.
4: Yeah, okay, so my question for you guys is, what percentage do we attribute this to... I guess just D'Angelo's lack of effort or fire or just him needing an attitude adjustment. And, cause I, I, like I mentioned, the last two games have been, I guess, a microcosm of the last week and a half or so where some people blame it on Luke's rotations and not giving D'Angelo enough minutes, even when he has it going. And then tonight, where it's clearly just D'Angelo deserved to sit. I don't know, I don't even know what I'm trying to ask here, but do you guys get what I'm saying? Do you think it's like a kind of a 50 50 kind of thing where one, D'Angelo Russell really has to, just kind of buck up and get his head in the game and regardless of what's going on just really play his heart out and adjust his attitude but do you also think partly luke also has to work on his rotations with regards to giving him steadier minutes i think luke has said admitted that he's gonna ride the hot hand no matter what but even when d'angelo's been hot it seems like luke has kind of not done a great job juggling the rotations. so
1: I think no matter what, there's going to be a little bit of both, right? I think for tonight's situation, there's absolutely no way Luke could have put him back in the game, no matter what. Yeah. Um, As far as the past, I mean, I agree. I think the last game they played, like D'Angelo went over to the scorers' table around the six or five-minute mark, and I thought, dang, I wish he'd been up there a couple minutes earlier just in case there are not any dead balls or free throws or anything like that to sub him in. And sure enough, that's what happened. He stood over there. For about two and a half minutes and then checked in really late. Now, of course, you know, it's obvious that Luke wanted to get him in a little bit sooner, but, you know, maybe that's just the mistake of a young coach where um, he wasn't like, he was like too conservative or something like that. So I, I agree there are definitely instances where Luke could do a better job of subbing him in early when he is having a good game. That being said, I don't think that event was the cause at all of how he played tonight Oh, sure. Yeah, or even sure. any other previous games where maybe D'Angelo was thinking, like, shoot, I wish I'd gotten a little bit more run at the end. You know, that, that has nothing to do with him playing horribly today or any other moment. And if it does affect him, like, confidence-wise, I'm sorry. Like, you you have to get over it, and you have to approach each game individually.
3: Yeah, I, pretty much everything Alan said. I mean, I think it's partially – I'm going to put, like, if I have to allocate, I'll I'll say, like, 75% D'Angelo, 25% Luke. I, I think I totally see what you're saying, Jonathan, where you're coming from with the D'Angelo, uh, or sorry, the Luke rotation thing, because it must be very frustrating as a player when you're trying to find your groove. And you're a young player, you know? You're not Swaggy P who can come out and just, like, cold off the bench for 15 minutes and hit three threes in a row. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not Lou Williams who's, like, a 10-year vet, like, born scorer who has been doing this for, you know, the past eight years at least, where you could just come in off the bench and, like, completely cold and just light it up. If you're a 20-year-old guard. You sort of have to find your groove and sort of find your, like, mojo and, like, your swag a little bit in the league, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. when D'Angelo is, like, really, really playing well, I do I, – I do – I, w- I will let, knock Luke a little bit for not riding that hot hand because yeah. there have been games where it's like, oh, I'll ride the hot hand. Okay, Lou Williams played 36 minutes tonight. Even in the games where D'Angelo, like against the Pistons, you know, he he was playing very well in that game, I thought. Yeah. And uh, he only played like 26 minutes or something, didn't he? I, yep. I can't remember the stats, but it was, like, it was below 30. And I'm like, those are the types of games where you have to play this guy like 35 minutes – And start to like show him like, hey, you are the face of the franchise. Like, don't mess this up. Like, it's all you. And take ownership of that. Luke always talks about how he wants his guys to take ownership of the team because they'll play harder. Well, here's one way to do it. Like, establish the hierarchy in the team. It's not ten guys all rated 70 in NBA 2K. It's like Each player has their, you know, pros and cons and not every player is the same. Um, Right. But on the flip side, D'Angelo needs to be more consistent in his effort to give Luke a reason to not like, you know, go away from him when he has those off games. Because if he consistently was playing hard every night, like remember when he was putting up no stats, but we we all watch the Mm -hmm. games and we're saying on this podcast, like, yeah, he's not putting up stats, but he's impacting the game in a very strong way. Mm -hmm. He, if he was at least doing that, he would get minutes. The problem is, like, now, I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he's hit, like, a sophomore wall or he's getting tired of losing or what his deal is, but he just, like, so many games, they just come out and he looks like he's just bored and he doesn't want to play and, like, you know, he's not really into it. He's tired of running the offense. He, I don't know what. I don't, honestly, he needs to see, like, a sports psychologist or something. But I would say, like, 75-25, but go ahead.
4: No, yeah, but I think the onus definitely has to be first and foremost on D'Angelo Russell. At the same time, I think we should be paying closer attention to how consistent Luke is with this let-me-ride-the-hot-hand mentality because, like you said, sometimes it's inconsistent the way he divvies that out. And yeah. I, I don't want to say it. It's kind of Byronish in terms of he gives more leeway to like a guy like Lou Williams who's hot and he'll ride him but not D'Angelo Russell, like you said. And also, if we're talking about defense, the guys he'll put in there have been as worse or even worse defensively than the starters were in, but he'll completely yank out all of those guys. So I, I think moving forward, I'm going to be more pay closer attention to what Luke does rotation wise, because it's been a little bit wonky. So I just want to make sure that he's keeping it consistent, whatever message he's relaying out there to the guys. But, um, For sure, D'Angelo Russell has to play with more energy. Uh, Let's move on from this topic and get to some brighter spots because I thought Brandon Ingram played really, really well. He did some incredible things out there with his length, and you could just see the flashes just coming into play. Uh, He had 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 0 turnovers, which is impressive, and 3 steals, and a couple of those steals were crazy highlight reel kind of steals the one especially where he uh saved it out of bounds and like bounced past it to uh jordan clarkson or something and then the other one where he got the steal and took it all the way for the dunk so i thought that was great so um alan what did you think of brandon ingram
1: yeah i thought he had a very complete game tonight um he just looks more and more comfortable out there you know as uh, each game passes and i like the He's he's getting more aggressive from the three point line. He took six threes tonight. Granted, two of them are, were air balls, but um, he's not hesitating. You know, and I think his stroke, like physically, does look better. I'm seeing more spin on the ball. It seems a lot more consistent. Um, so that's definitely a good thing. But yeah, defensively, you could really count on him to um to contain his man as best as he possibly can. And I also like when um. What's his name? Um, Danilo Colinari kind of shoved him and then Brandon actually went back and had some words with him. So he didn't he didn't back down from him. And uh, yeah, he played really well tonight in 37 minutes. That's that's crazy. Um, But he he deserved every single one. I, I do wish that Luke would have kept him in the first quarter instead of doing five out, five in. He would have been yeah. one of the guys that should have stayed. I think Nick could have stayed as well. But
4: Yeah, that being said, he did play 36 minutes, which is great. Uh, Tommy, what did you see in-game from Ingram? And being that close, I guess.
3: Uh, Ingram is incredibly skinny. <laughs> it wasn't like, in, you know, everybody <laughs> talks about it, and he looks very thin and frail on the TV. But when you see him in real life, man, it is like... Every time I see his limbs, I just get so scared because I'm like, how is this fool's like, I don't want to jinx it, but let's just, let's just say his legs don't look like they're super stable down there, but Uh he, uh, yeah, he's looks so much more assertive. It's really continuing this trend that he's been on for the last couple weeks, which I really like. Um, it's like he's turned a corner and now he's starting to hit that stretch of his rookie season where we're going to start to see him get better from month to month. You know, not every game, he's not going to come out and play like he did tonight Um, but I'd say he's gotten to a stage where I think pretty, you know, four out of every five or three out of every five games, we can kind of expect this kind of output from him. Um, he, he has, I like his, um, it seemed like, it seemed like when he first came in, he, he, he was pretty aggressive scoring. I just think that he's a little bit too, and this is part of being 19 years old in the NBA, I'd like to see him when he's out there with certain lineups, like that ridiculous Calderon lineup you mentioned earlier. I'd like to see him be more assertive offensively. Like I'd like to see him just say like, okay, I know I'm here with a bunch of NBA veterans besides Zubats, but, but I, I'm the best player on the floor right now. I can do everything. I need the ball in my hands and I'm going to make a play. Um, and he's not quite there yet. Uh, but yeah, overall, he looks a lot more comfortable. He hit a three in this game. Um, again, he's been hitting threes pretty well. I mean, he shot like an air ball in the first half. I don't know. He, he had a couple bad ones in the first half. But yeah, overall, solid game. Uh, I really like on that Gallinari technical play, Ingram pushed him like all the way out to the free throw line. And basically, you could see what the Nuggets game plan was. They were like, anytime Ingram was guarding, gallinari or farid or whoever they were going to that guy in the post and they were like we're just going to back this guy down and knock him right under the basket and ingram was fighting back and pushing back and he was like i'm not going to let gallinari catch it he got a little overzealous and fouled him but he it's it's like it's good to see these guys fighting for position on the court it's not just about can you stop your guy at the rim it's a full court game you know what i mean like You can't let the guy catch the ball two feet away from the basket. I don't care unless you're like DeAndre Jordan. You're probably not going to stop that. So I liked him pushing it out there. And then Gallinari got pissed and, you know, trying to start a fight with a 19-year-old kid. I hope he feels real tough after that. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, anyway, yeah, solid game by Ingram.
4: That's the way of the rooster, Gallinari, eat calamari. Um, But but how impressive is it that you, you mentioned Ingram being so skinny, but the fact that he doesn't shy away from contact at this stage, and he even had that one offensive rebound near the end where he was like, amongst the trees but he was just like bodying everybody up and he kind of crumpled to the floor and got a foul call but i'm just like how is this guy so fearless at this stage of his career without any sort of body right now so you can only imagine if this guy just puts 10 to 15 pounds of weight on that he'd be even more aggressive and that he'd start to have some actual stability on the court you know what i mean so yeah it's pretty cool to see. So yeah, I think Ingram, at least at the very least, his shot is improving from the baseline. Those are the three pointers that he has been hitting. It seems that shot looks a lot more pure than the ones he's hit shooting from the wing or from the top of the key, because those are like those were some of the air balls we saw tonight. But otherwise, I thought he was great playmaking as well. You know, the last few games, like you said, it's been usually. Uh, More often than not, really solid games. 15 points, 4 assists this game. The last game he struggled, 5 points, 3 assists. But the game before that against the Clippers, he had 14 points, 5 assists, 5 rebounds. So Ingram has had a very solid 2017. But like you said, I would wish that he would put the onus on himself to take over a little bit more and get his own because it seems like everybody else on the team is doing that. So why wouldn't he? Especially when I see so many opportunities for him to just pull up for a mid-range jump shot. And instead, he just dribbles and looks around instead, even with the fact that a smaller guy is guarding him. And I'm just like, why don't you just shoot that? You know what I mean? Uh,
2: and now, insurance-minded speeches from Geico. It's a common expression. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app. Look it in the mouth. Get amazing services. Thank you.
4: Zubats. We haven't talked about Zumanji. <laughs> Zubats. The last few games here, the last few games that he's gotten limited run, and I think he's he's uh, Luke is giving him Thomas Robinson's minutes, and he has really been producing tonight. Obviously, was the big explosion with 11 points, 13 rebounds, and three blocks. And he his first defensive play of the game, he blocked uh, Jokic really yep. cleanly uh, for a hook shot, and so that was really great. And then outside of that, um, just just those soft hook shots, he's able to hit anywhere around the basket have been really effective. But most of all, his screens are amazing. they amazing. Some, for someone his age to be able to He's pretty much setting Mozgov-type screens already at 19 years old and freeing up so much space for the pick-and-roll ball handler to, like, get a jump shot or drive it all the way into the lane. And then when he rolls, he's open for these passes as well to just roll cleanly to the basket. You saw Jordan Clarkson two times hit him with these nice pick-and-roll passes straight into dunks, you know what I mean? So that's—those were incredible. So, uh, Alan, what did you think of Zubats tonight?
1: I thought he was great. I thought— um you know, sometimes rookies or really young players will have a great game and some of the things they do kind of look like lucky almost, or wow, that's really fortunate that you got that one to go or whatever. He looked so comfortable out there, like everything was calculated, you know, and I just feel like anytime he's involved in a play, he gets to the absolute perfect spot on the floor where he can have an impact offensively. Um so I, I mean, I've been saying it for a few weeks now, like maybe it's time to give this guy some run. And uh, clearly that's, that's going to continue to happen. And it'll be really interesting to see um, what happens as teams develop a bit of a scouting report on him uh, defensively. He, he knows how to protect the rim. That's for darn sure. I mean, the guy had three blocks tonight and over yoke it like he's, he times his jumps perfectly. Like mm-hmm. he understands the physical defensive principles um he had like seven rebounds in four minutes or something like that. Um and we've been talking for so long how we really need a backup five. Like as great as Tarek and Thomas Robinson's energy has been, we just get killed down low, whether it's offensive rebounds or protecting the room or whatever it is. And with Zubots in there, you don't have to worry about any of that. Um so that was really great to see and I think uh, you know one area he can improve. I mean, he is a good rim protector, but a lot of times when he has to rotate on defense, he, he could be a little bit late or he isn't aggressive um, as he should be. And and Luke, you know, is is coaching him up on that. So we'll see if uh, he improves when guys really attack him. Otherwise, uh, again, I can't stress enough how comfortable he looked out there, and like he really belongs. And the fact that he played 26 minutes tonight shows that. Like his conditioning is pretty decent. Granted, this is like his first really big game. We'll kind of see how things go, but he's lost a ton of weight from the beginning of the season. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's definitely time for him to become a consistent part of the rotation.
4: Well, also they've been yanking him back and forth from the D League. Like he'll have a D League game and then he'll have an actual Lakers game. And I think the D League has really helped him get into shape, really get comfortable. Because if you remember when we gave him spot minutes against Dwight Howard, like against the Hawks, like uh, earlier in the year, not go well. Did not go well, and he looked like a deer in a headlights. He looked like a legitimate yeah. kid. But now, like you said, he looks a lot more composed. He looks more calm. He looks like he belonged. I think he showed a little bit of scrappiness today, right? Did he get into it with Jokic at all tonight? I feel like that's what happened. But it, it definitely seemed like he was very engaged, and uh, I can only see positive signs going forward if he continues this trajectory. So, Tommy, being in pers- live in-game, what did you think of Zubats?
3: Uh, Zubats looked very good. I think having Zubats out there exemplified that although pays and Space is the model of the NBA, and it should be the model for every team, size still matters in the, in the NBA, you know what I mean? And when you have a seven-footer who's skilled, it, it doesn't matter. Like, obviously, ideally, he's Carl Anthony Towns, or obviously, ideally, he's Anthony Davis or Chris Stapps or something like that, you know what I mean? But we don't live in a perfect world. And I'm just saying that, like, there's a space in the league still for All. There's a space in the league for Jokic, who I don't know if he's a seven-footer, but he's not like a Carl Anthony Towns running up and down the floor like a, you know, a guard or a forward or something. So right. he Zubots is a giant guy. He's 19 years old, but he is huge, man. He takes up so much space. He's not even like fully developed muscularly yet. You can tell, because he kind of gets knocked around, but he has the frame to be, like, a very, very strong NBA player. Um, And I know it's just one game, and I'm not going to overreact after one game, but, like, I thought this guy was, okay, well, let's see, in, like, three, four years. I'm just saying, if he continues to progress at this rate... He played really well against Detroit, too, and if he continues Mm -hmm. to progress at this rate, if he can, like, get in the weight room, which nothing suggests he won't do it because he actually seems like he's serious about basketball... um, He could be like a legitimate impact, like he could be our legitimate, just he's our backup center as of next year, you know, so he's just so skilled. He has great hands. We saw in that past fourth quarter, the whole stadium is going nuts, right? Like this is probably the most intense game this guy has ever played in in his entire Mm -hmm. life. And Lou Williams throws him a horrible pass. I don't know what it looked like on TV, but he should not have been able to catch this pass. And he kind of juggles it, but his hands are so soft. He is able to grab it and, and softly put it in right next to the basket in crunch time in a close game with everybody like watching. And just like that play to me stood out even more than anything else he did. Although I really like his defense, which I'll talk about in a second too, but He's just, like, such a poised player. He's very smart. He seems like he's picking up the offense faster than guys who are actually (laughs) playing, which is just blowing my mind, you know? Like, he knows exactly where he's... Like, even on that one play, um, which I know I I think they talked about it post-game, but when he... He could have, like, turned around and pretty much dunked the ball, but he kicked it out to Swaggy P for a wide-open three, Mm -hmm. um, and Swaggy P missed it. Um, But... That type of play, like he, although he had the shot right there, he knew where Swaggy P was going to be, and he saw him open and hit him with a pass. And it's just like that kind of stuff. We haven't seen that all year from any of our big men. I think this kind of thing is really what we were expecting from Mozgov. And I don't know if Mozgov just plays with a bunch of guys because he plays with the starters, and two of the five starters are D'Angelo and Julius, and they're lost half the time, it feels like. But Zubats is doing it a lot did a lot of things tonight that I kind of expected Mozgov to do um, this for most of this season. And especially defensively, this guy is a legitimate rim protector. He has a really good feel as a 19 year old, you know, there's guys who are big and they're like, hands up Roy Hibberts. And then there's Mm. guys who are sort of like defensive. Like, I don't want to, I don't know if ball Hawk is the right word, but like when they go up, they're not just going up to hack at the, you know, at the ball. They're going up with their arm like targeted at the ball and they're mm. just like they have an instinct for it. And Zubots is like one of those guys. I think he could be a really, really legitimate backup center. I mean, this is a guy who, yeah, he's going to be putting up double doubles off the bench next year and people are going to be going nuts. You know, we could, we could call it right now. He looked really good tonight.
4: No, and I think your comparison to, um, or I'm going to make the comparison, you know, Jokic, he's so slow and mm-hmm. plodding almost. He's not athletic at all, right? At all. But his touch around the rim is amazing. Okay, like not he's smart. Yeah, he's really smart. Obviously, this guy averages four assists. He looks like Ben Simmons out there with some of these passes he's throwing. Obviously, I don't think Zubats is going to get to that level of playmaking. Right. But as long as he continues to be very solid and sees the court in this Already does it really well at this point. You you could imagine him eventually maybe becoming like a lesser version of Andrew Bogut, right? But with yeah. actual offensive skill, yeah. and that's why I compare him to Jokic because Zubat's touch in like anywhere near the court is fine because he doesn't even need to dunk it or anything like that. He already has that. You know, he already sh- showcased the sky hook, right? In in yeah. actual gameplay, but outside of that, just the flip shots he puts in, and just knowing when to use particular shots for whenever defenders are coming at him, something that Julius Randle doesn't know how to do is so effective at his size. And it makes it easy for pick and roll guys to just feed him the ball. Because if you notice with Mozgov, it's either a dunk or he it's a total miss, you know, with Zubats is like, let me adjust this shot. So it's not, you know, there's an in between here. We either lay it in softly or maybe I'll dunk it. I don't know. So it's really impressive that he's able to so early on already show some offensive versatility, Um, He even hit a mid-range jump shot tonight at the top of the key, right? I mean, that's amazing. He's done that already in the last few games in this new year when he's been playing. You know, Detroit, he only had eight minutes, but he had four points, five rebounds, two blocks. Against San Antonio, he only had 14 minutes, but he had eight points, four rebounds, two steals, one block. So in limited minutes, this guy is bringing the energy, but he's also bringing the skill on top of it. And it's just really impressive to see. And this is why when we signed Mozgov, I was like, are we going to be happy? With this guy
3: making $17 million yeah.
4: when the guy off the bench, Zubats, could be better than him in a year and a half. And that's actually coming into play here. You know what I mean?
3: It looks like it might. And I think the scary thing about Zubats is, again, I'm, I'm not sure. I guess I can't really say this with certainty. But my guess is that in the Croatian League or whatever that he was playing and at nineteen, you know, 17, 18 years old, they weren't heavily emphasizing weight training.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I think he said that before.
3: Yeah, he said that before. And also, I think that's just like a common trend we see with these European guys, they don't as they they, they don't influence weight training as much. Once this guy starts to do like some weight training with his lower body. Oh my god, dude, it's gonna be (laughs) crazy. Because right now, sometimes like, it looks like he's exerting so much energy, just jumping to try to dunk it. When he's just jumping like it's second nature, we're going to see this guy start to posterize some people because he's so big, you know? He's like a legitimate 7'1". Um, And he, oh my God, it's you can't really say enough. It's like we all saw Bynum. We were all there through like the first Lakers rebuild and we saw Bynum. Granted, Bynum was like 17, 18 when we first got him. But that guy did not look like this, you know? His skills were not as refined and similar thing with his lower body strength, it wasn't there, so he could not finish around the basket. And then all of a sudden, he had, like, one breakthrough summer where he really stressed. It seemed like lower body strength, and all of a sudden, he was dunking everything the next year he came in. Um, so a lot of these plays, like, uh, uh, I'm blanking, Azubat's had some, like, misses right at the rim. Yeah. and. I think those are going to be even more eliminated, even more so than they are now, when he's able to just elevate, put the ball in one hand and just hammer it down.
4: Nope, totally agree. I compared Zubots versus Jokic to Zoolander versus Hansel tonight, because Zoolander. <laughs> uh, but, uh, so there's this uh, ESPN guy who covers the Mavericks. His name is Tim is McMahon. Yeah, McMahon. But anyways, he tweeted, I think Lakers wish they had taken Nikola Jokic, number 41 overall, instead of D'Angelo Russell in the second pick of last year's draft. And then a bunch of people tweeted him Jokic was drafted in 2014 buddy yeah and then he tweeted oops never mind never let facts get in the way of a good tweet but in a fictional draft of 21 and under oh my god (laughs) no there's no way D'Angelo Russell goes before Jokic
1: just say you were wrong
4: I I retweeted him and put in a fictional redo of a draft done today do you think Dirk goes over Zubats yeah didn't think so
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
4: so there you go Zubats is the man of the hour and it looks like we're going to be seeing a lot more of him going forward And might be that's... the man of the season
1: might be the yeah. man of the season who knows
4: <laughs> that would be a sight for sore eyes for Lakers fans who have been pleading for defense so to close this podcast out I just want to ask you guys what is going on with our team they look extremely disjointed. What is going on with the defense? How do we solve it? At this point, I as great as Lou Williams played tonight. He was amazing. He had twenty four points, seven assists, zero turnovers. I honestly feel like this team needs some sort of shakeup. You know, we were Alan and I we were talking. Up, yeah. Alan and I were talking about the last podcast how you know trading Lou away would create that shakeup and it might be bad for the guys because they love Lou. He's been great for veteran presence. But at this point, I'm almost like any sort of shakeup might actually be good to wake these guys up. And because we have so many types of the same player in terms of just guys who score and do nothing else. Yeah. I think if we can trade Lou Williams for any sort of defensive player with upside, I would do that in an instant at this point. Yep. Um, so yeah, what do we do about the defense? What have you thought about the defense, Tommy? Is it as simple as we need to give Zubas more minutes? We need to trade for another wing or another rim protector. What do you think has been going on?
3: Yeah. I mean, look, having a seven footer who can protect the rim high masks, a lot of deficiencies. Um, Part of what started that, like, magical 2008 season, right, was Bynum became Andrew Bynum, and anything that was getting near the paint, he was sending it back. Um, Zubats is obviously not there yet. And, I mean, even to get to that point, it'll probably take a couple years, right? But I'm not sure if rim protection, per se, is what we need. We definitely need, though, like some sort of veteran presence that I think Luel Dang is a very nice man and is probably a great example of work ethic and like how to be humble and how to be a good NBA citizen and how to like, you know, prepare for games or whatever. Cause he doesn't seem like he parties, but it, I maybe mean, he does. I don't want to be presumptuous, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think we need a vocal leader. I don't think, Lou Williams is that person. I don't think Swaggy P is that person. I think both of those guys are kind of like, you know, chill, like let's, let's, uh, you know, relate to the young kids type of guys. And I think, um, Meta World Peace is way too far gone in terms of playing ability and mental stability to be, uh, (laughs) to have that kind of role with these guys, like a voice that people will like legitimately respect and take seriously then the question becomes though like who can you get right so i don't know if you guys have talked about that but the general point is i think our defensive issues are based around luke's kind of touched on it i think but they're all based around like we just don't play physical defense you have to set the tone for playing physical defense from the second the game starts because you have to put it in the ref's mind that like This is the baseline. You know what I mean? Everyone's always like, oh, fouls are subjective. Yeah, fouls are subjective. So from the second the ball gets tipped, you have to set the tone for what I'm doing right now is not a foul. This is just how we play. Yeah. You know, and that's the problem with the Lakers is they play so soft that when they actually play physical defense, Mm -hmm. they get called for so many fouls. And you'll see Luke, and like, to his credit, I think he's definitely right about this, but ninety. five percent of the time he's complaining you'll see him complaining to the ref and you'll see him pointing to both sides and being like you called that here you didn't call there call it both ways but in the ref's defense it's like the lakers never play physically so on those 50 50 calls they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt because the refs are just assuming that they're playing soft and hacking like they always do You know? So it's like, you have to set the tone from the beginning. And I just don't know. I mean, I think the answer to that is we need to trade Lou and start bringing swaggy P off the bench. Um, so trade, so that would mean trading Lou for like a two guard who plays defense. Mm -hmm. So ideally, I mean, how many of these guys are there, right? But ideally we could find a, a shooting guard with defensive upside that we could trade Lou Williams for. And then if we can get like some young asset that would help as well. But I I do think we need a shakeup and that's my, that's my opinion of what the defensive issues are.
4: Also, I think some of it will be solved, will be naturally solved when Larry Nance gets back. Mm -hmm. Hopefully he gets back soon because we need him so badly. Uh, Alan, what about you?
1: Yeah, I was just about to bring up Larry Nance and um, you know, he's really young too, but he did go to school for four years. So now he's got to be about 23 years old. Um, in terms of like a vocal leader, I think he's the guy and he backs it up with his play too. Like, I think meta a few years ago was a vocal leader, but he's so far removed from the game at this point. He just can't be that guy. Um, so I think Larry would definitely step into that role and, um, even like vocal on the court when they're playing defense, because he has such a high basketball IQ he's going to be the one calling out switches and things like that. So um, right now, I don't know if he's ready to be like that guy and take on all of that leadership, but definitely down the line, I could see him being that one. Um, I think in terms of motivation and like heart and grit and all those things, I think Targ Black is a guy um, you could count on for that. I mean, he plays like that, but um, he's also a very intelligent player and, there's no way anyone on that team disrespects him, you know? So um, in terms of leadership, I would point towards them. Um, as far as trading Lou, I mean, yeah, we've been talking about it for a while. It would, it would be best for the team, I think, for him to be traded, and I, it would be best for Lou as well to go to a contender because yeah. um, the team is just freaking floundering right now. I don't think yeah. he would complain if he got traded to a playoff team. Um, so as much as it might hurt team chemistry temporarily, I think the guys will understand at a certain point, um, what's going on. So at this, you know, you can't worry about it. I know a lot of guys will be up in arms when they hear that. Oh man, you guys are going to trade Louis like top three players on a team. It's like, okay, sure he is, but it's because he's a vet and that's what happens with, with time, you know, and you have to balance between what's happening today and what's happening in the future. Mm. Um, And with this team, clearly we got to look to the future. And and with a young team, just to add on
3: that point, Alan, because I think that was a really good one, with with this kind of team with a bunch of 19- to 22-year-olds, you need to show them that nothing in this league is guaranteed. You know what I mean? I think these guys are – most of them are high picks, and if they weren't high picks, you know, second-round picks who have had tremendous success to this point, Jordan Clarkson obviously just signing his huge contract. You need to show these guys that just because – You've shown some flashes. Not to drop that word again. <laughs> Just because you've shown some flashes doesn't mean anything's guaranteed. You could be traded tomorrow. You know, don't take don't take anything for granted. And you know, unfortunate that Lou might have to be the victim of that. But like you said, I think it could be it could really work out for both parties. It makes so much. This guy is playing the best basketball he's ever played, and he has shown he can adapt to this new style of. Offense, and in fact, he thrives in it. Really, so mm-hmm. a playoff team slash a contending team should seriously look at him. Um, the question is, do the Lakers have the balls to make a trade? I hope yes. I'm I'm not super confident, but I hope so.
4: Yeah, but at the end of the day, the Lakers are all of a sudden mired in this slump after the first week of 2017 looking like they got back into a groove of things once again they're kind of looking at each other pointing fingers energy is low people are frustrated and so with things like this i think a shakeup is necessary and we'll see what happens moving forward i think that'll do it for tonight's podcast i think the lakers play who do we have coming up
1: indiana on friday they get a lot of days off
4: they get a lot of days off, and then I think right after Indiana, we go on like a crazy road trip again, right? Oh my god! Yeah,
1: Never ends. Yeah, Dallas, Portland, then Utah back to back.
4: Dude, this might be the nail in our tanking coffin. I didn't want to say it, we're uh...
3: like, no, I didn't want to <laughs> say it either, dude. But we're like the second worst record. I mean, granted, we're right in that cluster of teams, and it's going to be weird because we're going to still significantly beat the amount of wins we had last year. Sure, but it's so bizarre that we could win like. 25 to 28 games theoretically and still end up in the bottom three
4: because everyone's solid this year everyone got solid I don't know what the hell happened but yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the sixers have a better winning percentage than us at this point already yeah. so yeah so we'll have to continue to look for flashes and I think Alan we were talking we also have to look for hashtag stretches because that's what this team does <laughs> yeah. right stretches of good play stretches of really terrible play stretches of good play again so yeah we'll continue looking for that uh so yeah with that said thank you guys for listening please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes. You know what I'm going to say next because the more you rate and interview us, that's how many Calamari, Danilo Gallinari, will eat for dinner <laughs> the next few games. So there you go. Please rate and interview us. We don't have a 2017 rating and review. Be the first to do that. Let's have Zoobots take us out because he had such an amazing game. How is he feeling being an integral part of this team and getting more minutes moving forward? What do you think, Zoo?
1: Oh, well, you know, I mean, I feel good because I get to play in an NBA game and. You know, I came in thinking I play a lot, but you know that don't happen. So uh, I, I definitely happy. I hope, uh, hope we can get some wins, and uh, you know, I, uh, how you say, uh, I get, uh, I, I become lit. <laughs> I become lit.
4: <laughs> All right, flash the progress, everybody. Peace.
3: Bye. Bye.